So welcome everybody to Life, a podcast where we connect and confront life in South Africa and in Africa with Jesus. We hope that you'll stay and enjoy and listen and share your thoughts with us. Yeah, I'm on Life's podcast. Um, Keith, you obtained your bachelor's in LLB in Durban, the University of Natal. Um, and you admitted as advocate in 1979, and then you left law for eight years to work for the Student Christian Association, um, and then for the Methodist Church. You obtained your Bachelor of Divinity degree from Rhodes in 1987, and you majored in New Testament studies and uh, Hellenistic Greek. You then went back to law in 1987, and since 1991, which from a younger person's perspective is basically the beginning of the new South Africa. Um, you served in adjudicating role in different forums and including serving as an arbiter, presiding officer and assessor to the labor appeal court. And you've appealed, appeared in the, as acting judge in the high courts of PE, Grahamstown, East London, Cape Town and Gauteng. And you were appointed as a senior counsel by president in Berkey in 2002. And in 2007, you relocated from the Eastern Cape to Cape Town and for a number of years was a member of the Cape Town Bar. Um, you also registered for a PhD at the University of Stellenbosch and you're married to Rosalind Darrington since 1980. And you have two sons and a daughter and you unfortunately support the Sharks rugby team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you and wife now live in Grayton. Um, yeah, Keith, thanks for joining us. I don't know, I, my question would be, what, what are you up to now? Um, you know, how's life in Grayton and what do you, you know, find yourself doing day to day? Uh, thanks, Sebastian. Yeah, a, a big addition to that uh, uh, biography is that I now have um, four granddaughters and a, a grandson. The grandson is, is eight months old and will come and meet us in this earth in about four weeks' time. Wow. So that's that's the big new news. Um, yes, and I spend my time in Grayton. I still take on matters, but I only take mm -hmm. on matters that I feel are going to, in some way, help build the Lord's kingdom here on earth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm doing a fair amount of writing at the moment. In fact, Ros and I are busy with a book. Um, we're going to write jointly on on men, women, and marriage. Um, wow. looking specifically at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So that's, and I still do my horse riding and climb mountains and things like that. <laughs> that's very South African of you, um, like an active. Yeah, that's good. I'll look out for that book as well. Um, yeah, and I, I include a link and a lot of other descriptions that people can go and download all of your books and have a look at all of the resources at Truth Matters. Um, Com. But now to get to our conversation, Keith, uh, to dive straight into it, you've been part uh, legally, officially, formally and informally, but it's uh, since practically the turn of the century um, in terms of um, the yeah, fight against abortion in South Africa. Um, and yeah, just to, to dive straight in, beginning in 1998, leading up all the way to the Constitutional Court's decision that we'll get to. Uh, in detail in 2018 yeah how was that where did it start and um yeah where did your passion for um abortion uh, sort of begin 
it's it's grown it it started in 1998 when i was part of a team in the first case um where we we went there to the pretoria high court to try and and get a measure of protection for for the unborn and that was really the the incentive for that or the catalyst for that was the abortion act um passed in 1996 oh. which basically if you take away strip it of all its legal uh, uh obscure language allows for uh women to kill their babies basically at any stage of of the unborn's life that's effectively i mean if they don't comply with certain things there's no sanction against the woman there are no sanctions against doctors and nurses who particularly doctors who who assist um and in terms of that act i've done a, a calculation based on on stats that i i refer to in the book that you'll be coming to mm. and i give my authority for that since then you're looking at just below four million unborn babies have been killed in south africa since since 1998 mm. um and i've just grown in in my conviction that this is the single greatest evil in in south african society and that it uh, sadly the church simply is is doing nothing about it um there are individuals within the church but the the church as an organization is simply silent they in the last two years sums it up they've been far more concerned about complying with lockdown regulations and wearing masks than the literary hundreds of thousands of babies who've been killed during lockdown and they've said not a word about it um and i suppose a a really central point as well is a, a number of years ago a friend sent me a what's called a fetoscopy um and it's it's a a camera is sent down in the umbilical cord of a woman and the baby was 9 weeks old and and this is it's only 44 seconds long and it's on my website um and every time i see that that photo now of that 9 week old baby i my my wife knows i just start weeping at the thought of on any given day in south africa 500 of those little ones will be intentionally killed mm. so it's been a been a a journey and uh, I believe it's just the holy spirit is just simply not allowed it to leave me and the, the conviction is just grown stronger and stronger that it is the greatest single evil facing us as a church and us as a nation in South Africa today and um to specifically refer to the book that we want to be advertising that within um all of Uh, the things you mentioned now the role of the constitutional court in south africa plays a central role and led to you writing uh the book the emperor has no clothing which we will include uh links to um and you specifically referred to the ruling of the constitutional court of south africa on the 21st of february in 2018 um that in effect the unborn children are not human life worthy of dignity and that it is acceptable to view unborn children as no more than the contents of a woman's uterus and it gave no reasons for its decision um 
yeah, in terms of you, uh, the process of leading up to writing the book, um, I can imagine it, um, yeah, it was incredibly frustrating, but also I think maybe incredibly disheartening that the Constitutional Court failed even to give reasons for its decisions in terms of its judgment on the human life. I don't know, yeah, do you have any uh, thoughts around, um, yeah, and sort of with perspective in terms of what led to you writing a book and, um, yeah, a bit of the backstory in terms of how you got there? Yeah, if, if, if you read it, and it is available, as you say, on my website, so mm. you can download it. Uh, if, if anyone wants a hard, hard copy, they must just contact me and I'll, I'll send them a hard copy at, at no cost. It's, if you read it, you, you'll see it's, it's actually, and hopefully it was restrained and channeled, but it's an angry book. Mm. Um, and it's a book that comes at the end of a series of court matters. And of course, the political court in our country is, is the constitutional court. And what they were faced with um, was a number of, 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 uh, of issues, evidence in, in, in a number of affidavits, not least of all that, and it wasn't contested by the Minister of Health, that just under 500 babies were being killed daily in, in South Africa. Mm. Um, and notwithstanding what they were confronted with, and in the book, I, I set out in detail what they had in front of them um, when they made the decision. They, when one line, they simply said that the application for leave um, to appeal is dismissed and they gave no reasons. Um, and the reason why they gave no reasons, as far as I'm concerned, is that they made a decision in chambers that they didn't want to actually engage on the issues. Yeah. Um, and so they took the dishonest route and, and they know they're the highest court um, and that they don't have to give reasons and it ends there. Mm. Um, and I then wrote the book. I also then got my attorney to, to ensure that it was hand-delivered. Physical copies were hand-delivered to each of the Constitutional Court justices. Um, that, that I didn't want to do anything in the dark. So they know I, I wrote it. Um, there's been no comeback on me. And I suspect there will be no comeback because the book is true. They, they were dishonest, they were callous, they were indifferent to the most vulnerable all, of all life in, in South Africa. Um, some of the things I included was that they would have been confronted with was the whole, I compared the approach to the Constitutional Court to the death penalty case in 1995, um, where they wrote about 130 pages, all 11 judges, relying largely on Ubuntu mm. as to why vicious convicted uh, cruel murderers should be treated with dignity mm. and in fact in that in that judgment the then chief justice uh, the late uh, uh, justice chaskelson actually said that in the negotiations the two issues that were left open for the court to decide were in fact the issue of of capital punishment and abortion mm. uh, and they were then they then in their 1995 judgment dealt with the issue of of capital punishment, 
collectively wrote about 130 pages of giving reasons why vicious convicted murderers should be treated with dignity and their life given uh, protection. Mm. Um, but when it came 22, year later, 22 years later to the issue of the unborn child, they, in contrast to the, the capital uh, judgment issue, uh, uh, case, gave no reasons. Mm. And I think they gave no reasons because they couldn't give reasons, but, but they had made a political decision um, and they knew that the power ends with them. And the three applicants in that case were three ordinary women. My wife was one of them who had no political power, uh, who couldn't use various pressure, pressures that other uh, uh, civil society uses. So they must probably said, well, you know, we won't give reasons and it'll stop there. And by large, it has stopped there. Not least of all, I've tried to get this to the churches and the churches have just remained silent. So they were quite correct. Um, it will just end the case there. It will end the issue. And the most recent case that uh, Ryan, in fact, has involved, been involved in calls for justice, the effect of that is, is similar. There they've, in effect, held that a baby under 26 weeks uh, is not a human being. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, so that's where the book, it's, it's an angry book. But I believe that there's righteous anger mm. and that they must be held account. But the next, as far as that's concerned, I don't really look to the courts anymore. I now look to the church. Mm. But for the last six years, I've been trying and trying and trying. And that's why I, I, I really am thankful for this, this opportunity that you're giving me. Mm. Is, is just to try and get the church to realize that the church is also under judgment, given its 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 complete absence of of outrage at at the the, the killing, the deliberate intentional killing of of almost five hundred babies every day in in our country. Mm. Yeah, to maybe zoom in um, and focus specifically on what you're saying now with regards to the church. Um, Yo, what do you think maybe explains the apathy or the indifference? Is it purely um, fear of um, maybe um, persecution or being seen as religious or fundamentalist? fundamentalist? Um, is it perhaps um, just a, a worldly indifference to something that doesn't matter or you know what I mean, like ducks, water off the ducks back, or you know, what would you say you think is lying at the heart of the issue in terms of the lack of the response? Mm. Because you probably have the best vantage point in South Africa in terms of the church's response to the, uh, the issue of abortion. Yeah. I think obviously there, there, there are a number of, of, of factors, but I think the main one, and, and we all stand under judgment for this, mm. is we can't cope with the implications of what is happening every day. Mm. That 500 or so babies are being killed every single day intentionally. That, that, that figure is just too much for our minds to take in. I understand. You know, that's, that's more than a jumbo jet dropping every day since 1998. Mm. 
um, the most vulnerable, the most dependent of human life. And we simply, there's a good Afrikaans word, or um, it's too overwhelming. Um, so what we do is we either just shut our minds off it, or we buy into the worldly um, narrative that we're not dealing with the human being. We're dealing with what the abortion act calls the contents of a woman's uterus. We're just dealing with, with you know, like an appendix or, or, or tonsils or, or, or kidneys or whatever. It's, it's, it's not a separate human being. Um, because for us to admit that it's a separate, that that little one is a separate human being is, is simply overwhelming. Mm. So we either block it out of our minds or we buy into the narrative saying, well, you know, it's a woman's choice. Mm. Um, it's a woman's body because that lets us off the hook. And, and that's why in my talks, the single most powerful part of any talk I give is that 44 second fetus copy of the nine week unbo unborn child. And I, if, if, if whoever listens to this, they do nothing else, go to my website. It's only 44 seconds. And just look at that little one. And you'll find most people in the church don't want to look at that little one. No, it's too hard. Be because it's too hard. It's too hard and emotionally they can't hope. There's so many other problems in our world and they look at the poverty and they look at the single parenting and they look at, at, at all that. And, and in, in my last chapter of the book, I deal with this specific question mm. and I deal with what the minister's response was. And it is a callous response. Basically he said, no, we've got enough social problems and we don't want more unwanted children. Mm. And, and I don't think he actually worked through the implications of that, um, of what he was actually saying. But I think the church, wittingly or unwittingly, has bought into that approach as well because they simply can't cope with, with where that takes us. Um, so I, I think that's, and, that, and there we all stand under judgment. You know, if you read scripture and, and an absolute abomination to the Lord, was the the practice of child sacrifice mm. and and that's this is nothing else than child sacrifice the 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 only the gods are the gods of convenience the gods of dealing with social problems the gods of autonomy of of the woman that, that's that's the gods that we're sacrificing these babies to mm. and i go back to the fetus copy have a look that's nine weeks old probably about the average age of 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 babies that were killed, but many babies are killed. I, a case I've, I've been busy with at the moment with Dr. DeForce, there the baby was 19 weeks old mm. um, and, and the little one was killed. And the doctor who tried to persuade the mother not to kill the baby, four years later, he's still not being allowed to practice. And even there, the church is quiet. You know, we've had individual Christians coming to support Dr. DeForce but the church as such just refuses to get involved. Um, but, and I think coming back to your question, I, I think 
it's simply because we can't cope with the consequences of, of admitting that what we're allowing uh, is, it's a bit like, you know, there's a very good series, a Band of Brothers, deals with a group of, of, of airmen uh, in, in America and how taking them through the Second World War. Mm. It's excellent. And, and one of the, towards the end, they arrive at a place in Germany and they come across one of the concentration camps. And it's just shocking, absolutely shocking. And they go and they fetch the local residents, German residents, who deny that it happened. It's, it was happening right there, a few miles from their, their village. And they force these Germans to actually carry the bodies and to bury them. And it's, it's a very powerful, um, very powerful uh, 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 picture. And I think, in a sense, that, that's why we need to keep on looking at this fetoscopy. That's why we need to keep on weeping every time we see. Because that's the beginning. Mm. And, and, and look, it's a long way to go from there. But just to recognize that, that because, of course, one of the things, one of the consequences of not recognizing this, this daily slaughter of, of, of the innocents is it dehumanizes us as a society. No wonder there's so much other violence. Mm. Um, you know, rapes, murders. No wonder. Life is cheap in South Africa because, and it starts off with 500 babies are being killed every day. Mm. That, and that has a huge effect on the whole psyche of, of, of the nation as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think we're overwhelmed, but we need to just confess and then step by step saying right what can we do and it, and i think the church needs to mobilize i the constitutional court for various reasons and that could be a topic of another uh conversation i i think whereas in 1994 i was very hopeful now if i look at the judgments on that it, it, it it's become an institution promoting darkness not light mm. um so i i think the way forward is through the church the spirit needs to convict the church of our sin in this regard. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I'm reminded of, you know, the, um, unfortunately, the human, the human tendency to suppress that which is true um, in our mm. righteousness, if you look at Romans 1. But then um, maybe from another perspective or another angle, I think you probably have maybe been asked this question or maybe been involved, obviously, when, when one speaks about abortion or um, when one argues against abortion, um, naturally the questions come up to vulnerable women, vulnerable mothers in certain situations and um, almost the need to, as we speak out against abortion, we simultaneously provide help and support to women who are in very difficult circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll just hear your thoughts on that or maybe some things yeah. you've seen or practical ways that yeah. we can do yeah. both at the same time and not just be critiquing, mm -hmm. but also be providing constructive yeah. solutions. Sebastian, absolutely crucial. In, in the last chapter as well, I, I referred to a, a, really, a really top theologian and, he, dealing, and how he deals with the issue. And, and, and part of what he argues, and I completely agree with him that where the church also fails is that we see this as the individual woman who's fallen pregnant. We see it only as her, as her problem. Mm. 
it's 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 not only her problem. This this is we as a community, and that's my understanding of Ubuntu. And I make that argument that if if it, although Ubuntu is very vague, people make of it what they want. Yeah. But certainly part of what I understand from the death penalty case where they refer to it is is there is a collective responsibility for one another. Mm. Um, and of course, that ties in with how I see the church. So it's not the individual. The individual woman must be loved and cared for and must, must, mustn't be judged. I mean, most women don't want to kill their babies. They just find themselves, okay, some it's just for convenience. But most women don't want to kill their babies. You know, if, if most, if I think, and I've tried this with nurses and doctors, and that's also where responsibility lies. It's just difficult to get a hold of doctors and nurses who are prepared to, to stand up um, and really be counted in this regard. And, and, and I've told nurses and doctors, the talks I've given, papers I've delivered, uh, memos I've submitted, that the law allows them to show mothers before they actually go ahead and say, yes, kill my baby, to show them a fetus copy of a nine-week-old but so they know what the baby looks like inside them. Um, that and and I'm convinced that if women are shown that by a doctor or by a nurse, you must probably find immediately 50, 60 percent of the women will say, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to kill this little one." But they've been told it's not. It's not human. It's just part of. It's just part of the uterus. Um, so. A big mistake is to see it simply as a as the woman's problem. Firstly, don't get my wife speaking about this. That the husbands, the, the fathers, need to be held accountable. Yes, exactly. Um, churches need to take responsibility um, for these women. Churches must make sure that they are known in a, in a community as a place where a woman who makes a mistake, who who, who falls pregnant, and 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 just doesn't know how. They're going to deal with this with this little one, that they know there's a place they can come to who will walk with them the next five, six, seven months. And if they can't handle the child when he's born, they will find good adoptive parents. There are more people wanting to adopt children than there are children. And that that's that's the reality. Mm, it's difficult um, to adopt a child. Long process. Yeah, mm. but but even that we need to look at, you know, but. But, but part of the difficulty is because there's, there's more demand than there are babies. Um, so, and there are, there are wonderful examples in, in South Africa um, where the church has, for example, you just get a, 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 a home or you get a place and you send out the messages that if you fall pregnant, come and we'll walk with you uh, in a very practical way. There's no judgment. We'll walk with you and, and we'll help you make choices about the little one, have the little one, and either you keep, and if you want to keep the little one, we'll help you keep it materially, economically, we'll provide a place, or we'll find good adoptive parents. Um, so I, 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 part of the problem with, with, with the, the, that's why I, I, don't, I don't like being, describing myself as anti-abortion. I, like, I see myself as pro-life. And part of that pro-life is also the life of the of the mother, um, is and and that I need to care for that mother. I need to love that mother. Um, and it's not her only her 
her struggle. It's my struggle as well as part of her community. Um, and there are individuals like that throughout the country that, that have centers like that. Um, so you can't separate. It's, it's, it's there you're going to stand outside and just judging. You need to give women viable alternatives. And I, as I say, it, it's a very, very uh, callous mother who, if she sees a fetus copy of what her little one looks like, at that point in time when she's wanting to kill the little one, I, I, it'll be the exception that will say, go ahead and kill the little one anyhow. But then you can't, can't burden the woman without coming alongside her and seeing it as a, as a shared. And this, this theologian says that part of the problem with the church when it comes to abortion and why it, either, why it keeps quiet is it's just lost the sense of economic and social responsibility with that comes with with being Christ followers and being part of Christ's community. There, there are definite exactly. material, economic, emotional consequences that must go with that. And central yeah. to that is to support women who find themselves in in, in pregnant and, and don't quite know what to do. Mm. So yeah, so it's it's a it mustn't be a moralistic judgmental approach to to the women that's that's the worst thing you can do um yeah, and, and we must take responsibility because we're yeah. part of that society i agree um, I, think, I think the there's maybe nothing worse than if it's purely sort of an ideological point or a, yeah. um an argument um yeah i think not only maybe i would say specifically in south africa in the country we staying in the reality of the economic inequality as well i think and for if it's if you're just speaking about it in terms of uh, an opinion and you're not willing to do the hard yards in terms of the mm. concrete social economic realities of raising a child mm. if you're a single mother mm. or you don't have a job um yeah god forbid that we are not doing both at the same time um but then last but, you know on that and as i say, say in something? the last yeah. chapter of the in the last chapter of the book, I deal with this theologian. His name is Hayes. He's really excellent. And one of the points that I make, relying on what him, is, is, is if you look at Jesus and the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus widens our responsibility in terms of who we must love and who we must care. The constitutional court, by doing what it's done, has restricted it, saying, well, those 500 babies are not human life worthy of the constitutional protection that the Bill of Rights gives to people. We'll protect murderers, but we're not going to protect those unborn children. But they don't give reasons because they don't want to engage in the whole issue of whether or not they're dealing with, like a Dr. Chris Wharton, who I've used in one of the matters, he's a professor of embryology, he was at UCT, they use his textbooks. And he says, within medical circles, there's, there's no longer, it's, it's not a debate where whether or not human life starts at conception. They all accept that human life starts at conception, medically speaking. That's not an issue anymore. You know, that, the only thing that you can, you can obfuscate it if you get involved in ideological uh, uh, argument. And, and similarly like that, if, if those of us who are pro-life, if, if it's just ideological reasons, I don't want to be part of that pro-life group because that's just, to me, there's no different than to the other side. Um, it's about the mother and about that unborn child. Mm. 
exactly. Yeah, to, um, to tee up the last question when uh, I was doing my um, yeah, honors in philosophy and we were speaking about abortion, it's very interesting to note also in um, sort of world-class academia and philosophical circles, um, they're oftentimes much more honest than maybe if they are on popular uh, media. Because one of the things that um, Peter Singer, a philosopher, mentions is that a lot of people are for abortion, but they're against infanticide. So they're against the killing mm. of young children who are one and two years old. And he throws it back in, in their face and say, there's no logical reason why you can be for mm. abortion mm. and against infanticide. Mm. I am for both. So he's actually for both. He maybe has to argue about, okay, why only young children? Why can't you murder older people? Mm. But um. Mm. He's at least consistent and then throws it uh, back in people's face to say um, mm. it doesn't make sense um, if you're going to speak about uh, that they're not human. Mm. It's not that they're much more human outside of the womb in the first couple of years. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, so that's unfortunate. But last question to um, deal with. Obviously, we are speaking now within the context of conversations and um, matters unfolding in the Supreme Court in the USA regarding Roe versus Wade, the sort of landmark abortion case in the USA that is mm. probably going to be overturned, all indications look like recently, which obviously has far-reaching implications for the rest of the Western world, which obviously has does trickle down to us here in South Africa, even though we are not in the West. We have to remind ourselves that. Um, what are, you, are you any thoughts on that? Maybe some encouragement from that um, and what maybe we could be learning in terms of how um, people have engaged with the issue there, um, mm. you know, or... Or do you think it's something that's m maybe not that relevant to us here and there's different sort of ways that we need to approach it in South Africa? I think in terms of Roe versus Wade itself, it, 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 it might well be the single most evil judgment that was ever handed down by that Supreme Court in 1973 in, 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 its, in its implications. It, it has led to millions upon millions upon millions of babies being killed. Um, and legally, I mean, it, it, in a sense, people think it's about abortion, not abortion. It's actually not. It's, it, it, technically, it's actually about the rights of states. Um, that's, so all why Roe versus Wade from that point of view was bad law is it took, it, it made something that should have been left to the states a federal decision. So, for example, in America, states still decide who, who, whether the death penalty is operational in their state or not. So in yeah. Texas, you have the death penalty. In, in California, you don't have the death penalty. And that's, that's, a, and that's really what the Civil War was about. I mean, it wasn't really about slavery. It was about the rights of states and, and what the limit is of the powers of, of a state as opposed to the federal government. So... The indications are, and, and it'd be wonderful if, if they reverse Roe versus Wade, and they're not then saying that there can't be abortion. Mm. I haven't, obviously, we don't have to see the judgment, but I don't think that's not what that, this is about. It's, no, the states must decide for themselves. So you might say, so well, you'll have, for example, Texas, already they've got laws that, that, that limit abortion. California, they allow the slaughter of as many innocents as, as women want to, or men want to, to slaughter. Um, of course, I'd be, over, I'd be overjoyed, because immediately you're going to literally already, in just, just in, in terms of the judges that were appointed over the last two, three years, 
already hundreds of thousands of unborn children have been saved in America, and that's wonderful news. Um, but in terms of us, I'm not quite sure because I know Roe versus Wade always was used against against mm. me when when I went to court. They would always quote Roe versus Wade. Um, but I, I, I'd, my hope, and if you read the Emperor's book, the jurisprudence that we can rely on is, you know, it isn't Roe versus Wade, even if it's reversed. I mean, it's, for example, the German Constitutional Court has made quite clearly that unborn children must be protected. Um, and we have far more in common with Germany than we have in the States. And the German Constitutional Court decided that because of what happened under Adolf Hitler, where certain life was more uh, uh, sacred than other life. And they said, this will never happen again. And similarly in our country, I would have thought, and that was my hope for the constitutional. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the average South African woman and man, you know, is it, different to Western Europe. Um, I, I think there is a sense of the sacredness of, of, of all human life, including the unborn child. And if, if we could just get that out to folk, and I go back to the fetus copy of the nine-week-old and unborn, uh, unborn baby if we can just get that out as wide as possible and if you can get it out on your as i say you can get it from my my website and say in fact this is what it's a, this is what this is what we're trying to protect this little one and 500 other little ones today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and i and but then at the same time the church was come alongside those women and and get get practical safe houses or whatever going in all the little towns and villages as many as possible and nurses and and doctors in south africa must also start being prepared to to uh to take the cost and and they've got good good legal legal backing to to do what is right and i've i've offered my services at no charge so again if any doctors and nurses listen to this i'm there you know and the there is a good strategy that will hugely reduce the number of, of unborn children that are killed on a daily basis in South Africa. This is great. Thanks, Keith, so much for, uh, for joining us. Um, I think, um, yeah, I've um, also watched uh, um, a video like that of an abortion, and I would say it's, uh, yeah, it's traumatizing in a good way, um, and I think opens your eyes. Um, yeah, it's a very difficult thing to watch, but something that's really important as we go forward. Keith, I just would want to ask if you could pray for us as we, yeah. as we end off. Yeah, Sebastian, if I, before we do that, if I can also say on my website is also brief testaments, about four minutes by Dr. Libertana before the U.S. Uh, State Congress, I think, which is just one needs to watch that as, well. that as well. Right, let's pray. Yeah. Holy Spirit, fill us anew, convict us of, of your holiness, and equip us to live lives that, that are in accord with that holiness, that are pleasing to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Keith.